If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this super awesome birthday special episode of the oh, Mind Pump. Da, 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 da. Happy birthday, Doug. Thank you. All right, so uh, we <laughs> talk you. all about fitness in this episode, but before we do, we have our fun introductory conversation. Here's what we talked about in the first 38 minutes. We start out by talking about our summer trips, which are coming up. I'm going to Yellowstone. Uh, Justin's going to Palm Desert in the summer. That's weird. I'm going to fry. <laughs> and Adam's having a uh, baby shower wedding, apparently. Yeah. Lots of people. A baby wedding. Then we talked about the show on HBO called Chernobyl. Uh, apparently, it's really good. It's getting a lot of press. Yeah. Um, Adam brings up Ag- Agatha Christie's ABC Murders on uh, Amazon Prime. That looks uh, fun. Justin talks about his Uller uh, made by Chili Pad. Um, this goes on your bed. And it controls the temperature of your bed, leaving it nice and cool for improved sleep. In fact, studies show that some people sleep in half the time it normally takes them to fall asleep when they use this kind of technology. And we got you guys a huge discount. Here's what you do. Go to ChiliTechnology.com. That's C-H-I-L-I Technology.com forward slash Mind Pump. Go on that page. You'll see the codes for the discounts. For the Chili Pad, it's MP. Chili pad that'll give you 25% off. For the Uller, which is the one that you can control with the app on your phone, use the code MPULER for 15% off. Then we talked about uh, Toys R Us coming back. Yeah, don't call to come back. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, 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 Justin talked about something where apparently hyenas are in Canada. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, we talked Weird. about a new book called The Sixth Man by, how do you say his name, Adam? Iguadala? Yes. I said it right. Yes. Also, uh, Mind Pump Live tickets on sale for San Francisco. It'll be going on July 12th. Go to mindpumplive.com, or you can wait for July 26th in Seattle. Um, Then we get to the fitness portion of this episode. First question, you know, we talk a lot about intuitive eating, but if you want to really get lean or build a lot of muscle, should you go back to tracking your food intake, or should you just consciously reduce or add food? Next question, uh, we give our thoughts on protective gear like elbow and knee wraps or sleeves. We talk all about their benefits and their detriments. The next question, uh, this person has a mental block for heavy lifts. She's afraid to get under a heavy bar and do a heavy squat. We give our advice on how you can feel more confident about pushing your body with heavy weight because, you know, heavy weight builds the most muscle. And the final question, this person wants to know if we've ever dealt with depression. We all have, so we share our stories. But we also talk about what it was like to train people who were depressed and the things that we found that helped them. Of course, we're not doctors, uh, but we do have experience training people uh, in of different varieties and forms. Also, 48 hours left for the Maps Strong 50% off sale. That's it. There's only two days left. Now, remember, Maps Strong is our most effective muscle-building metabolism boosting program to date. It's 50% off. Here's what you do. Go to mapsstrong.com, M-A-P-S-S-T-R-O-N-G.com and use the code STRONG50, S-T-R-O-N-G-5-0 without a space for the discount. Make sure you do it soon because again, this sale is going to be gone and this promotion will not come back this year. Get on it. Tomorrow, Adam, you have 
the massive baby shower. The baby, we're calling it the baby, the baby wedding. Ba- baby baby a- wedding. Yes. I like it. It's, it's baby apocalypse. It's, it's that like a, formal. It's like a baby wedding. Yeah, just a, a, just a just a close close. You know, yeah, a real tight group of like 150 people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's like, that's RSVP'd, like uh, knowing Katrina and her crazy family, <laughs> you know, and people are already asking her. So she, yeah. she did like a, I think, I think we we're doing like 12 to four or some of that. Yeah. And so everyone's like, we don't really have to leave at four, do we? I'm like, oh, great. This mm. is going to get crazy. Oh, good times. Yeah. And then Justin, what are you doing? I'm okay. out, man. I'm yeah, I know, but where are you morning. going? I'm going to uh, Palm Desert. Oh, what's yeah. in Palm Desert? Yeah. Palm Desert's a, a desert. Great, great a lot, place to go in the summer, huh? A lot of swingers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's Palm Springs, dude. Oh, yeah, oh, which oh. is close by. Oh, I was gonna say it's yeah. not the same area. No, it is. It's it like is. You it's go right next drive to Drive through it. So, yeah. you guys gonna do some swinging this weekend? Totally, and bringing the kids. Wow, <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah, very weird. Yeah. No, I. Um, and you're gonna stay there for the whole week? Yeah. Well, not the whole week, but yeah. I mean, we're gonna be doing stuff like probably like going down to San Diego a bit, and then also going to Disneyland. Now, where do you stay in Palm Desert? Do you stay at the Marriott there? <clears throat> Typically, yeah, we do the Marriott, but... Uh, Is that the one with the, the gondola inside? The, the Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one, yeah, my my parents had like a timeshare, and so we used to like yeah. weasel off of that. But um, we're actually, this time, Courtney's sister, she has a place, and so we're staying at her place. She's uh, somewhere else, like uh, I think in Boston. So we're we're gonna be using her place, which is gonna be cool. You know, I used to live there, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. You told me that, and I was like trying to get the name of the, uh, you know, the well, gym that used to manage there. Yeah, it was uh, Palm Desert Athletic yeah. Club. I don't think it exists anymore. Uh, it was on Lennon Place. It's behind the post office. So if you go there, see if it's there. I will go there, work out, and, take, and take a pic. Yes. And be like, I'm in Sal's stomping grounds. We had rock climbing, and we had a wine bar in there. Isn't it stuff. known for nudist colonies all over there? Dude, the desert people are weird in general. It's I mean, uh, gonna, Well, first of all, be honest. summertime down there is very strange. Because in the wintertime, it's popping. There's lots of people. The weather's great. In the winter, it's like 85 degrees every day. You know, 75 to 85 degrees. Summertime, it gets... Like 120 degrees. Yeah. Death. Like, like normal. Like you wake up, no joke. I would wake up at 6 a.m. to go to work. 6 a.m. It was like 90 degrees outside. Didn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. And half the population is gone. Yeah. Because everybody, a lot of people have houses there that just go in the winter. Yeah, so the, the snowbirds. So you go to the mall and it's a fucking. It's like a. You can see tumbleweeds. Like, whew, no, it's not. It's not it. ideal the time, but it's like you know that was in the schedule. So, but we're like. It, before we looked at the weather and everything, it was like 110, 112, like crazy. Ooh. But now it's it's 101, oh, you know, 102. It's a cool, it's a cool it's like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's more tolerable. Like, you know, my shoes won't melt to the ground. So there was a nightclub that we used to always uh, party at in uh, Palm Desert. I think it was called Bananas. It's either Bananas or Zeldas. Yes. It's kind of like a gay club. Yeah, yeah so, it does sound like that. It was weird. No girls were ever there, though. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. Totally your scene. Everybody's friendly, though. Everybody's really, really friendly. Yeah, real cool, real yeah. cool, real cool. Shirts are optional. Yeah, lots yeah. Of, uh, Everybody was feeling happy until Happy left. Lots of dance hey. trains going on. Hey. Boom. Anyway. Um, no, it's a good town, though. I like yeah. that town. Um, uh, and Palm Springs is a cool town, too. So you're there the yeah. whole time, Justin? Yeah, I'll be there pretty much the whole time, yeah. yeah. We're going to we're gonna fly. No, nobody asked you. Oh my bad. 
moving on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding, bro. Tell us, uh, what, no, you're, no, tell this us, is the... tell us what you're yeah. doing. <laughs> you got cool ideas too. Don't worry. I don't want to tell you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, yeah. tell us what you're remember, doing. Yeah. Remember when you're little yeah. and, you're, and like your friends like like fuck with you and you pretend like it didn't hurt your feelings, but yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, I'm cool. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I want to go home real quick. <laughs> I'm going to take my bike. I got I'm crazy. I got crazy allergies. <laughs> <laughs> My, my mom's calling me. Yeah, I gotta go. Are you crying? Yeah, I gotta take no, my ball. Man, I gotta take my football. I can't. Yeah. I can't leave it here with you guys. <laughs> my eye itches. <laughs> no, we're we're doing. Um, we're going to Yellowstone, so we're gonna go into the oh, north cool, entrance right. of Yellowstone. Then we're gonna be in the uh, west entrance of Yellowstone. So we're gonna spend time in both places, and then we're going to drive down to uh, Vail, Colorado, for a wedding. Um, and I heard it's beautiful in Vail. I've now, never been there. What are you? It is beautiful up there. What are you most excited about Yellowstone? I've always wanted to go to Yellowstone. What are you most excited to, geysers to, to or see? Yeah. I just want to see. Um, the I want to see. Yeah, I want to see buffalo in their natural habitat. I want to. Mm. Uh, would be cool to All see the a bear. bears. Yeah, dude. If I saw a bear, you will. You, you know, I have a thing yeah, with you bears, right? Will. You like, do. Yes. Come on, bro. I told you the story. That's the theme of the uh, the baby shower. Bears. Yeah, bears. Is it really? Yeah. He's are a, you gonna have an actual bear there? There's gonna be a bear cave there. Wow. What do you mean a cave? They her sister built a bear cave. What's a bear what? cave? Yeah, I saw it the other day. So we, this is how fucking ridiculous this thing has gotten. Like we went, we stopped oh by. Oh my god! Her brother and sister's house, and they had scoured their property and gathered all of these tr- branches and things, and built a cave. It's literally from Doug to you, and a cone all the way back, like a do, cave do out you, of out of like tree branches. Do you think that you wow. guys are? are, are like, like a Sadie Hawkins dance for photos. Do you think that <laughs> so there's like, like, like a, a little bit of overdoing it? Like a little... Oh, like, we, uh, we, just a smidgen. We passed that like the day it was decided <laughs> we were going to do it. The stuff that like... There's some cool shit though too. That, like I, I, I mean, bet you guys are giving away gifts to the guests and they're gangster gifts. Bro, Everybody gets Nikes. It's getting stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Out of control. Out of control. That's awesome. I still, what I, bear claws. What like, I don't know and what I, I don't know if I believe is that we, we are not spending any money. She keeps claiming to me like, no, hon, we haven't spent any money. We haven't spent any money. But I'm not like, you know, I'm not a Nazi about it. I don't go in her bank accounts and check all that shit. Like I just trust it when she says that. But I don't know if I believe her. Wow. Yeah, I think I think that she's I think she's sliding some money back there to make sure <laughs> she's got cash. Yeah, yeah. I think she's, <laughs> you don't know about. Yeah, I think she's funneling money over. <laughs> she definitely greasing does. off all the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Employees. No, I I want to see a bear, dude. I want to see an actual bear. But I have a thing with bears because <clears throat> remember I told you guys when I was, I think it was like twelve or thirteen, I got chased by a bear. So yes. yeah, bears and I are there's a there's a. What is that? Like mortal now, enemies. Now Yellowstone, wow. it just Yellowstone grizzly. grizzly there. Grizzly, right? So if you go to like uh, Yosemite, you can see a black bear. Black no bears yep. are scared. Black bears are the pussies of the bear kingdom. Right. They'll still fuck you up. Oh yeah, no, they'll kick your ass, but they're scared because they they evolved hey. with predators. They evolved with grizzlies, and grizzly would eat them, so they get scared with loud noises and shit. Do you know what happens when you make a loud loud mm. noise around a grizzly? It chase you, fucks you up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just kills you. You guys remember when we interviewed the guy who got attacked by a grizzly bear? That I was crazy. Yes. I got to go back and revisit that. He episode. had the biggest balls of anybody. Crazy ever. story. Dude. I couldn't believe that story. That was a crazy story. Yeah. So I hope to see that. I hope to see the buffalo. I want to see the, of course, the geyser. And there's there's a segment of Yellowstone where it's just. It looks like another planet. Yeah. I've seen pictures of it. Um, I don't know. Dude, don't give know us called. a sense of you know the apocalypse though, because that place could blow and we're <clears> all going. <throat> oh, it's a you know it's a super volcano, right? Yeah, 
Okay. You know what a super volcano is? I don't know. What's the difference between a regular volcano and well, a super volcano? It's super. It wears a cape. Yeah. <laughs> no. Super volcano, just the size of them, the sheer size. And it's active. And so at some point in the future, we don't know when, can happen ten, you know, can happen ten thousand years from now, could happen next month, highly unlikely. But at some point it will go off and when it does, everybody's dead. Wow. Yeah. Everybody. So like, then Amer- like the US will be Gone. It'll yeah. be, and then the whole world will be covered with so much. So all these people, shit that yeah, it'll just it'll drop the temperatures, the of Earth. entire climate, everything. Yeah, yeah. So the irony of all these people uh, that were listening to the almost thirty podcast that bought all their earthquake protection, going to help them for sure. <laughs> yeah, Volcano is just going to fuck. Not, all you're worried about the wrong thing, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. No, and you know what's funny is that the the animals. I just read an article. It's funny because I'm going over there. Right, I, I was joking with Jessica. They're observing that the animals are for whatever reason moving away from the. Volcano part of, of Yellowstone? You lie. <laughs> I swear to God. Really? I told Jessica, I was like, wow, we're gonna we're gonna get a front row seat if the shit goes off, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Like, oh wow, look at that. If <laughs> if something like that were to go off and you and it were to just cook the United States, would you want a front row seat or would you rather Yeah, you might as well. A delayed I'm a, de- just, a de- oh, delayed my delayed face dead. Yeah, what would you do for reals? What would you do if all of a sudden you're like and this is like a real deal news thing and you're like in 24 hours, everyone's going to be dead, and there's nothing you could do about it. I would, you'd have to, I mean, I would drive to the ocean and start swimming out. <laughs> I mean, start digging a you're hole. not going to be able to book a plane, let's be honest. So no. the, all the assholes, I think they're going to Where are you going to fly? Well, you, know, you would try to fly somewhere. Yeah. Nowhere. Yeah. Well, eventually it's going to go hit the ocean, and then it would cool. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. The it, volcano would be that big, it would just it'd blow up the whole earth? No, 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 Come no. on, bro. <laughs> That's not how it works. So, yeah. it'll, it'll blow up a large part of the U.S., but then the, the blast and the heat and all that stuff will destroy lots of surrounding stuff. But then what ends up happening is that- it, You won't be able to breathe. It shoots so much toxic shit into the universe, into the universe, into the atmosphere. It'll surround the earth. It'll lower the earth's temperature by enough- uh, degrees to where it'll kill plants, then it'll kill animals, then the the the, the fallout, all that stuff. It, it'll kill most life on Earth. Most you got to yes. go to Area Fifty One and get underground, like way underground. Yeah, NORAD. like a nuclear fallout. Yeah. NORAD. I don't. Would you want to do that and come mm, out? Pff, no. Well, yeah. better than well, dying. What's left up there? Then you need to come out and everyone's gone. Well, I mean, hopefully you go in there with a couple of your friends. Yeah, and then you're stuck with just them. I love you guys, but this is the whole repopulating process. That's a positive. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it brings some people. Very, very hope at least there's some winners in there. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies, we got to save you guys. All you guys get in here real quick. Uh, guys, got, go out there. I got only two more spaces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Bro, you got to sit this one out. Yeah. Hey, start the, start off a, a meeting with all the all the survivors. Like, okay, so um, so you don't. I, we have a big responsibility on our shoulders. Yeah. We need to make sure that the human you know, species survives. I, I feel like yeah. my strategy is the best. Come on. You, what, what swim out in the ocean? Yes. Yeah, start swim, swimming. How far are you swimming? You'll drown. I got 24 hours. I can get pretty far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll get a canoe. You know what I'm saying? Get a canoe and start paddling. Uh, you, what you, what Dude, I, the great whites can make a snack out of you. Yeah. They're, uh, they're going to eat you. You yeah. think so? Yeah. Because no. they're going to be they're like, oh, I got to get lunch before I die. Yeah. <laughs> they won't even know. Yeah, they would <laughs> Anyways, so uh, <laughs> no, weird. but yeah, no, I'm excited to go there, see the the, the largest national park uh, in America, and then of course head down to Colorado to. Now it's so big bail. that it's so big that it should take you more than a day even to like go through the whole thing, right? It would take you more than more than that. It would take you maybe even. It's so big. If if you drove through the whole thing, it would take you, I think, a day. Yeah. Mm. That's so you have to you have to just to drive through it to see the whole thing, 
you could book a whole week vacation just to do that. Now, are you now either you or Jessica like big into photography, or will either one of you have a camera or anything? She has a camera, and she's been big into it before. Um, I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question. I'll see if she wants to take her camera and do that. Yeah, you guys should do something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. just maybe think when I'm asking that question. When we we one time we we uh, or not one time. A lot of times when we go places, we'll always put a post out there, tell people, hey, is there any local photographers that would want to shoot some of the events, and then people like apply and, and you know taylor and rachel have to go through all stuff and i remember i remember talking to one and they were like hey we're this this kid we're thinking about doing this kid with that and then they of course one of the last questions they asked before they agree to let them come shoot is what kind of camera are you shooting with so we know <laughs> an iphone 9 you know that's what you're shooting with no way. yeah yeah somebody, somebody offered <laughs> to 9? yeah i don't know if i told you guys <laughs> yeah. that yeah somebody offered to shoot one of our events with their iphone <laughs> wow oh, that's cool i mean the iphone shoots I mean, great it's photos it's really gotten better guys it, 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 like you should check this out it, it, he's just walking around like this yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious speaking of the events uh denver sold out yeah. Oh, Gone. yeah. It's, yeah. it's sold out. The yeah, only you ones that are, you lose, everybody. The, the, which ones are left? San Francisco. And Seattle. Yeah. And Seattle. Seattle's What's, also almost sold out. The one that surprises me is San Francisco's still got, I think, a good 15 to 20 spots, uh, um, I think, left on San Francisco, which is in our backyard. What mm -hmm. the fuck? Hey, man. What's up with your friends? Bay Area. What's up with your friends, Justin? Where's our, where's our Bay Area people? Well, yeah. whatever. If there's yeah. some left over, I'll bring Why I got, are they my friends? I got family that'll want to come. <laughs> It'll be great if I have my cousins in the audience too. I'll, I'll make sure they laugh at me and not you guys. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I doubt you'll tell that. a joke. But don't laugh when Adam or <laughs> yeah, Justin just, make a just, joke. Just crickets. Only me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's uh, mindpumplive.com. So if you're listening right now and you want to check out some of these live events, dude, uh, I've been watching this crazy. Remember, I told you I was going to start watching Chernobyl. I think it's on uh, HBO. Hell, of people are talking about that show. It's dude, it's crazy because you get like an insight to how everything went down. And just how? What is that? I'm fucked. so I'm clueless right now. Do you know what Chernobyl, Chernobyl is? Chernobyl. No, no, tell me. You don't know plant. in history what happened? No, please tell me. So in the Soviet Union, um, I told the, you I'm terrible at history. Yeah, at, at the time, and geography. At the time, and the, science. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, uh, in the you, know, you had the Soviet Union at this time, and they had a, a nuclear reactor in this particular town, uh, Chernobyl. And um, I don't remember what happened. I think it was they were doing some tests. On oh, it's spelled C H E N. Yeah. Right? Oh, okay. I have se I've seen that. They were doing yeah. some some routine tests, and it something like a went haywire test. In, in the seventies, right? And they found that 80s. it was like sabotaged because like the, through the protocol, uh, basically, like they they were just trying to cover up all their tracks. Like the government was getting involved and in trying not to let you know public knowledge of how bad everything was like get out. Uh, and, and it just goes through this whole process of them trying to deny, you know, how the severity of what they're dealing with. And, it, and, and then you see people going there and just getting like horrifically burned by all this radiation and just like all the officials that were trying to, you know, come back and cover it up and then watch what everybody says to the public and then evacuate certain people. Bro, it, it was, a, so, it was so fucking one crazy. Of the, one of the great, the worst disasters in, yeah. in world history it uh, when I mean, it, you know, you had a nuclear meltdown 
it became so toxic. You, we can't go. You still can't go there. No, you still can't. Yeah, I don't think you can go there for like another thousand years or something silly like that. What? Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be toxic for a Dude, long these time. These miners, I got to like this is episode three or whatever, but they they had to hire a group of miners to come kind of dig underneath it to. It was a suicide mission. Yeah, it was a suicide because like basically, if not, the core was going to melt all the way down and then get into the water supply and then like basically get all the way out to the Black Sea and and fucking contaminate like everybody's water and everything kill everybody whoa yeah. yeah so they they were like they had to cover they it were a bunch co- of badasses that went in there and just like just dug it out and basically tried to uh, and pour concrete to lift it back up so it didn't like burn all the way through yeah they, they had to cover the whole thing in concrete and then evacuate nobody it, like do you, the do you know, worst shit ever do you know because of chernobyl worldwide cancer rates went up like a like a couple percent mm. it, wow in the whole yeah. world yeah Damn, and on the in the in the surrounding areas, cancer rates went up. Well, it's just so crazy because it's to me it's fascinating because I had, I know nothing about radiation and just like you know when you get a, that close to the core and like how you get all the the particles on you, like how then now you can transfer just by like visiting somebody in the hospital, like how much you actually now absorb from their radiation. And so they're like trans uh, transferring this to other people that are coming to visit them. And then it was just like, I, I'm, it, it's just baffling to me because I, they didn't even know what they were doing and didn't know how to handle it properly. How, how many people died? Oh, oh my God. I mean, it, total millions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, total millions? if you count all the people that died. The aftermath, from, yeah. yeah. Years later. The, yeah. the direct, uh, directly from it, I'm not sure, but I, yeah. I know it's probably worldwide since it's been it's been millions. It's like a real life horror story. You know, yeah. in, in, in Japan, when Fukushima got, you know, blasted from the tsunami, people going in to fix it or going in to, to, to do certain things, you know that you're going to go in there to die. You know you're going to go in there and you're going to come out and you're going to be sick or you're going to get cancer in a few years. And so in Japan, and this is just, it just to me, it's such a, uh, God, it's such a powerful story. You had all these elderly people uh, in their 70s and 80s volunteering mm-hmm. for Fukushima because they're like, I'm, I'm already old, so I'll go in there and I'll do it. Yeah. And all these people volunteering to go in there and, and sacrifice themselves. Yeah, wow. you, and that's the thing. And through this documentary too, you see like like really the the best of humanity too, where people realize that uh, if they didn't do anything, then like millions and millions of people were going to get affected and die. And so they're like, well, I'm going to do something. And you see that like it, it's pretty cool, dude. The sad thing about this is that because of Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, Fukushima. You know, we're so afraid of nuclear power, but the reality is if done properly, um, especially with the new technology, they're extremely safe uh, and clean sources uh, of energy. Like nuclear power, literally, if, if we do it right, can really power the world. The problem is, is that we're so scared of it because when, the, when we started putting these nuclear reactors out, a lot of the technology wasn't great and we had instances like, the ones I had just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So people are like, fuck that. We don't want to mess with that. But right. but the, 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 t- the technology and the science around them and what we could potentially do with nuclear power, uh, I mean, we wouldn't need oil, you wow. know, to, mm-hmm. to, to power the world. Now, you, are you guys, uh, speaking of series, uh, are you guys familiar with uh, Agatha Christie? Do you know who that is? No. So she's like a, a 1920s author, like one of the most oh, right, you know, right, well-known right. authors. I think she sold billions of books, like one of the uh, most... Uh, renowned authors of all time. She has a, a series on, uh, is it, it's on Amazon. And I, we, Katrina and I binged it. If you're, do you guys like murder mystery type movies? 
or shows? Uh, it depends, does. but yes. Yeah. This one's really good. Is it? Yeah, it's especially since it's got a really... She's known for murder mystery, plot twists, things like that. It's called uh, ABC uh, Murders. And oh, I've seen the. It's yeah. like it was a. Th- it's a. Th- it's only a three-part series. So they, I think they're taking. And I don't know if you're going to see more of them come out. I, I believe this is one of the first one uh, of her many novels that she's done. That they did a little uh, three-part, one-hour each, one-hour series on on the ABC murders. Really fucking good. Really, yeah, yeah, really it's, good. Katrina and I just finished it uh, last night. So it's the. It's called Ag- Agatha Christie. No, she's the author. It's called ABC Murders. ABC. And yeah, where, so, where's it on? It's. I'm pretty sure it's Amazon. Maybe Doug can look yeah, it up. Yeah, it's Amazon. Oh yes, I've seen it on I saw it. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's got the um the guy. I really like the guy that's the main character, and I can't think of his name, but he's in Rounders. He's um. What other movie is he in that I, I really like? He's got a couple movies that I, I, mm. I like that he's in, but that was a really good, uh, you know, binge one. If someone mm. looking for something to binge through the weekend or something Matt like that. Damon. Hey, did, no, did no, you, not Matt Damon. So you guys know, you guys remember how Toys R Us went bankrupt? Yeah, which was kind of a sad day. I don't know about you guys, but I had such fond memories. Uh, and lots feelings. of nostalgia there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. that was the place. Like if mom and dad took me to Toys R Us, I was like, do you know excited. what? Yeah. Do you know what Toys R Us did before you finish your story that I, uh, didn't exist when we were kids? Oh, there he is, right there, John Malkovich. Oh, John Malkovich. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you, Doug. Uh, you know what Toys R Us did that uh, they didn't do when we? Were, I was a kid that I thought was fucking brilliant and so cool is for your birthday, and we, we did this for my nephew when he turned five. He's now 12. Uh, so when he turned five, we did this with him. And they would give you a gun, a, a scanner gun, and then you register for his birthday, and then you let him go through the store and shoot all the toys that he wants. That he wants to register? Yeah, that he wants, right? Yeah. And so then you, as a as kids or aunts and uncles, stuff like that, you just go on to Toys R Us and then you- It's pick, like a wedding registry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. But but it gives the kid an experience to go in the store. And just I thought it was a, such a brilliant business move to do something like that. And it wasn't but maybe a year or two later when they started to file for a Chapter well, 13. Well, with their reopening. Mm. What? They got new investors and what they're going to do is they're going to open up like these, these smaller Toys R Us stores that are like 10,000 square feet and they're going to be more about the experience, play areas, areas where you could you could try out new toys. See, that's smart. And mm-hmm. the whole idea is to to give kids an experience and either buy the toys there or order them online. That's like, um, well, not mm. the experience part, but the small store. Remember, uh, was it KB Kids? KB K- Toys. KB Toys. Oh, KB Toys. Is that yeah, yeah. non-existent? Is I don't think so. Look at that up, Doug. See if that one went under. KB too. Toy Store. That was popular. Remember, almost yeah. every mall had a KB Toy yeah, Store. Yeah. No, but see, think about this. For for a new Toys R Us, you take your kids there and they play and have fun. And then, Mom, I want this one, or Dad, I want this thing that I played. Well, and you either buy it there or you buy it uh, online. That's why I thought this yeah. was so brilliant. That that's what they tapped into. That I huh. thought was so smart. So it was crazy to. I mean, but it's just an example. Amazon just got everybody. Yeah. That's and I and I, I just wonder that. Like, how can you take off with? So when did KB go? As an of the company, 1,300 stores. Wow. And then they went out of business in 2009. Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine building a company to the size of having 1,300 you're never You're never safe. Yeah, That's a reminder right there. Wow. You're, you're, if, you're a, if you're a company and you get big, you have to continue to compete yep. uh, for market share because it could be – because there's, there's a lot of stories of companies that were – block- involved with the times. Yeah, Blockbuster was huge. Blo- there was a Blockbuster in every town. How many locations were there? Gone. Yeah. No, there's, there's just one. There's that one, right? Yeah, that you told a, me about. Oregon. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, I feel like it's Blockbuster. To to me, I mean, to me, it's more like a shame on you. Like they they dropped the ball when Netflix came with them. It's it's tech. We were evolving. You were already starting to see MP3s. You were seeing things like that where we where we could go. So I feel like 
I don't know. I feel like if I was running the show there, I would have had the, at least the smarts to kind of foresee potentially the future. But having a, a toy store, I don't know if I would have picked up on that. I don't know if I would have went like, especially having thirteen hundred and kids well, buying it, stuff. Like here, you're, you're, this is the situation that some of these companies get stuck in, like Blockbuster, like Toys R Us. They get su- they get put in a situation where they have to fundamentally change their model, which costs millions and millions of dollars and could potentially lay off lots of people or stick with what you've been doing and making money doing. And so it's a it's a hard gamble. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds obvious to us now, but back when Blockbuster was first introduced to Netflix and laughed them out of the room, uh, to them it wasn't that obvious. Yeah. And they were, you know, they would have had to completely change their model because they were a store-based, you know, business. So yeah. that means they would have had to completely change their model just to survive which you know that's that's a tough decision. Imagine yeah. that. Too right? much of smelling your own farts. Well, ho- yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, well yeah. I hope this time it t- you know it helps yeah. them out with that business yeah. strategy. I've been meaning to ask yeah. you, Justin, before I forget. Um, you were just talking about off air how uh, I was asking you about the 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 chili Uller right uh, for sleep because Adam's been raving about it. Now you've been using it. Yeah, and you've been talking about how good your sleep is, and I wanted to know if it positively affected because I know you said you've been sleeping better. Is it making your your uh, ref- your reflux better too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I haven't noticed any reflux and that weird. Yeah, so I think you know there's multiple factors with that because of diet and also uh, like time uh, schedule wise with eating. But I still would get reflux and I would sometimes have to get up. Usually it was like when I was getting interrupted sleep, I would get up and then I'd have to take some tums because I don't know the reflux would kind of. Uh, uh, Start to start to go once I started to get like super hot mm. and irritated. Um, Interesting. And so I, um, yeah, it's been awesome, dude. Because with the Uller, this one you can do on your phone, like Adam was describing last time. Um, and so I have it set uh, that like at the perfect like sixty five. I found is like mm-hmm. a good a good temperature for me to to stay consistently asleep, but not feel like it's too cold to where I could notice it. Um, but so that's the thing. It's it's kind of interesting. It's it's not like laying down in it, it's like freezing or cold, you know, and like because that that I wanted it cold when it was really hot. We had that heat wave coming through, but just having a consistent temperature it makes such an interesting it's difference. It's such a it's such a game changer that I think in the future uh, beds are going to come with these things already a part of them. Yeah, it's that big of a game changer because I've been doing a lot of reading on how temperature affects your sleep. And how using devices like the either the chili pad or the Uller, um, you know, in terms for sleep, and the, the the studies are remarkable. Like it makes a huge difference for people for their sleep. And I have yet to use one because I'm waiting for for mine to come in the mail. I can't wait to use it to try out. But it's a it's a game. From what I've read, this is one of the biggest sleep game changers. That exists, like bigger than almost anything else that any single thing that you can do. Well, it's interesting too because Courtney noticed, like I, I kind of thrash a bit when I sleep. Like I'll turn from one side to the other. I'm more of a side sleeper than I am on my on my back. So, um, but she's like, yeah, you've been pretty much solid in one position. I wake up in the same position, and wow. it's just like it's now, tripping me out. Now the Uller has the app right on mm-hmm. the phone, mm-hmm. so you can control the technology. It also allows you to turn the the to make it louder or less or quieter, so make it a little stronger or not. Yeah, so the 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 chili pad that is just the the original version. It's a little bit cheaper. It's it, the unit's a little bit bigger. 
Uh, it's a you have to control with the remote. It doesn't have the the white the three levels of white noise. And the way the three levels of white noise work is, if I wanted to cool, like for example, if um, I forgot to turn it on right now, I leave mine on constantly now. By the way, because the motor on it doesn't suck that much in- energy, it's easier for me just to set the temperature I really like. Just let it run all day long, and it's just and it's water. There's no EMF, so it's, so the pad itself is just water. In right, there. right. But if I had like if I had forgot to turn it on and it my bed is warmed up to like seven. 72 and I like it at 54 or whatever and I want it really cold and I'm about to go to bed in the next hour or two I can turn the motor all the way up to the third level and even then it's still to me it's not I think it's, the noise sounds great but you you have three levels so you could put it on really quiet the third level down which is what I do now is I just keep it on the lowest level well, white noise helps people sleep anyway right yeah, so I it's just it on the mid like the middle one is that yeah. what you do yeah, yeah. yeah so I bad. just so that part is cool um that is something that I tell people though if you like it at a, a, a specific temperature and if it's really cold like I do uh, I, I think it's smarter just to keep it on, and it's not pulling that much energy. I mean, I haven't seen a difference on my my bill. Like, mm. I mean, this will this one coming up will be the first one where I've had it for for a full thirty days. So I'll tell you if I think. It yeah, and you're still not waking up to pee in the night. I mean, I've had a couple nights where now. So, it, but even having a night of sleeping all the way through is unbelievable for me. So um, most nights I sleep all the way through. There's still what will still get me because I, I you know I still think that I have a small bladder. If I the other day I worked out uh, later in the day, like five, six o'clock at night and train. And when I do that, I drink like half a gallon to a gallon of water. So I can't help but still get up and have to go pee. But on a normal day, which has been great and going to bed, if it's cool, I'll sleep the the entire night. And like what Justin's saying, I'm I'm not tossing and turning. I, I hit the pillow and I'm out. It just, I can't wait. Yeah, no, it's, I'm waiting for mine. It's it, of all the sponsors that we have. I mean, I love all the products. There's not there except for you know I talk trash about some of the ones I don't use a lot, but for sure I definitely think I use uh, the Uller and I value that partnership more than almost anything else that we've done yet. And I did not see that coming. Like I, I didn't even know anything about those. Mm-hmm. Taylor was the first person to show me it, and when we started to use it, I was just blown away. So I'm I'm sold forever on that thing. And they and it's depending on what you can afford. I mean you, you can get crazy with it and get like the Cadillac version where you have the you know cow king size both sides are controlled so his and her she can be at one temperature you can mm-hmm. be at another and you could spend a lot of money on something on like the the badass one or you can go with just the the original one and and save spend a couple hundred bucks which is not bad at all for what you're getting for it well we got the biggest discount out of all the other that yes. was dope <laughs> That's one, one of the things I do appreciate too about and this is all you know the credit Taylor because uh, Taylor does this for us. Um, he's really uh, adamant about if we work with a brand that he knows other companies are working with, we will take less money in a, as a partnership in order to give our audience a better deal than what anybody else is. So that's something that we don't talk a lot about that on air and, and tell people that, but that's that's the truth. Uh, and we try and work that out with almost now some sponsors they they just won't do it they won't negotiate and they they have their discount that they do and it's generic and it is what it is but some companies are flexible where they're like okay well if you guys are willing to take less money we can obviously give more to your audience and we Hell always yeah. we always opt to do that if we can of and course so absolutely yeah i think that's pretty excellent cool. what's this uh, thing in canada with the hyenas oh. that you, were, you said you were going to bring up you told me to remind you yeah no like i guess in the ice age they found remnants of of hyenas that were like wolf size and they they came over the that bearing straight landmass mm. and 
they've because they found I guess traces from these these teeth that they found like within this bone pile, and it was it, they they traced it back to hyenas of all creatures. I guess they got out competed. But I had no idea we had hyenas here in North America. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever seen a hyena uh, uh, up close? No. Oh, no, like I at the zoo? No, I've heard it's pretty... They're, they're big. They're, they're sketchy, too. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're fucking huge, dude. They're, they're dope to watch hunt. They're huge, and they have one of the most powerful bites... Yeah, uh, uh, that you can. And, I mean, they're they're dangerous predators to deal with for sure. Yeah, but they're crazy looking. Well, I, I think a pack of hyenas will take down some of the the biggest biggest animals out there. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah you get four four or five hyenas will scare a lion. Yeah. I believe they're that, pretty they're pretty crazy. That is crazy. I think it's just interesting because there's always like they're fine. They find new species that, that existed like simultaneously with each other. Like it was eating and, and scavenging for like mammoths and, you know, like saber tooths were around. It's like, it's just crazy to see what that like landscape probably looked like back in the day. Oh, it's you know? crazy. At some point, uh, was, who's that one guy, Graham Hancock, who talks about yeah. how um, there's water erosion on like the, the Sphinx yes. in Egypt. So he's like, you know, this thing is a lot older than we think because water wasn't here until, you know, it wasn't here when we th- when we, we thought this was built. It was way before that. So yeah. he tries to make that argument. And if you go like and, and look over the Great Plains and you see from a bird's eye perspective, you can really see how uh, you know large masses of these like uh, you know uh, glaciers had to have like quickly gone through and just carved out our landscape. Yeah, so yeah, it I, makes a lot of sense. He's kind of interesting to listen to. Yeah. Did you guys see the uh, article that I shared in my Insta story yesterday on Clay Thompson and Iguodala? No. Uh, of course not. Of course it was sports. I know you didn't fucking. <laughs> I thought that was, I was looking at Justin. Yeah. To Justin, did no, you read I missed it? it. No. So this was great. My buddy shared this with me first, and I, I'm so glad he had the he shared the actual uh, article so I could share it with my, the audience. Uh, those that didn't click over and read it. Uh, Iguodala is probably, if not my favorite player, one of my favorite players on the Warriors team. Uh, I just think he's uh, extremely humble. On any other team, he'd be a starter for sure. When he came over to the Warriors, he, he accepted the six-man role, which is basically coming off the bench, and just shows you what kind of humility he has. He's one of the highest IQ players, and he's he just uh, wrote a book uh, called The Six Man. And in the book, he does a uh, he has this little excerpt from uh, in there that talks about Clay Thompson. And they had this team building exercise where coach went around and asked all the players in the room, like, what was like your your highest moment ever playing as a warrior? And everyone's going around sharing. And when it gets to Clay's turn to share, everyone assumed he was going to say that the highest moment was the day he scored thirty seven points in a in a quarter against Sacramento because. That was an NBA record, but he didn't. Instead, oh, I did read this. Instead, he said, my best moment was the one night I caught a pass and I was like 50 feet from the basketball hoop and I was about to shoot it. And all of a sudden I hear Andre being like, what the fuck, Clay? You're 50 feet out. And I thought about it for a second and shot it anyway. It went in and I was like, yeah. Yeah. Fuck right. you. Yeah, Andre. He's talking shit. Fuck you. We all had a good laugh about that. And I was like, wow, really, that, dog? That was your best, best moment. moment. Yeah. I love that's that. Awesome. Yeah. No, it just it, uh, it, it funny, highlights the, the the chemistry that the the guys all have. And I think that's so great that they, they can talk and act and be that way. And um, I mean, we we talk all the time when people ask me questions about what it's like working with you guys and 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 how we are on air and are we really like that? I mean, man, I I think that if <laughs> we dig on each other more than anybody else that I've I've ever met, and I think that's it's it just it speaks to the the chemistry and the relationship, and I think it's so important to 
success, and they're a great example of that. And I can't wait to read the book. Oh, awesome. Yeah. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from Critter Marie 87 You guys talk about intuitive eating. If you want to do a cut to lose body fat or spend time in a surplus to gain some muscle, would you go back to tracking intake or just consciously reduce or add food? Personally, 100% yes. Yeah. yeah it, 100% yes. I'm with you. Look, okay, think mm. of intuitive eating like this. You're on the freeway. Uh, everything's smooth. You're driving. You put it on cruise control. Leave it on cruise control until shit changes. Time to race. And you need to hit your brakes. Someone you, drives by and pipes you. Yeah, or you gotta. <laughs> or you're about to drive. go time. You gotta oh, take it out of cruise are you now. Challenging me, yeah. sir. Or yeah. you're about to drive recklessly, like Adam's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, here's the thing. Intuitive eating should. The goal is to get to a point where a majority of the way you eat and live is intuitive. You take care of yourself. You eat foods because you enjoy them for their their true value. Um, you, you can enjoy food for its hedonistic value sometimes, but most of the time you eat things cause they're healthy. Your body weight, uh, settles at a natural, healthy body weight, which is relatively lean, decent amount of strength and muscle. But then you want to take your body to another level. You want to push it to a new level. Well then, yes, you're going to have to, uh, or you don't have to, but ideally you would track so that you don't fall into this trying to intuitively build and intuitively cut past a certain point gets very difficult because there's nothing intuitive about it. You know what sucks about this question is I remember when we first started talking about intuitive eating and, a, and we had to write a guide about it because so many people didn't know what the fuck it was. Mm -hmm. And it's now turned into a, another buzz term. It's turned into something that everyone's talking about and it's another way to get clicks and it's another way to sell people on ideas. And it's like, man, we're starting to bastardize something that I think is really good and really important for people to understand. But the truth of the matter is that most people are not ready to intuitive eat. Mo when I think back of all the clients that I trained, there's not a single client that, you know, first hiring me, I would say, hey, we're going to try an intuitive eat right now. None. I, all my clients I had to educate first on what is a carb? What is a protein? How many calories do you need? What's what's a lot? What's a little? What do we do? What do we eat if we want to lean out? What do we eat if we want to gain? What do we, all that stuff? You have to do that for a while to really have a grasp of what it looks like and what to, in order for you to start to intuitive eat. And then when you're intuitive eating, it's you're you're basically you're still guessing. I don't care what you say. And if you're just trying to be healthy and have a healthy relationship with food, I think it's a very good place to be and where we all should strive to be. But if you have, you know, a photo shoot coming up or you've got summer and you've got the beach ahead of you and you want to get in the best shape you've ever been in your life or you're competing or you're doing something where you want to make moves and you want to change your physique, 100%. Try, I mean, still with all the experience that I have, if I all of a sudden decided that, hey, you know what? We're going to Hawaii in four weeks um, and I really want to be in some of the best shape I've been in in a while. You bet, you bet your ass I'm going to, first thing I'm going to do is 
turn on my fat secret app again, load my food in, track my steps and start monitoring where I'm at. Yeah. Because what I want to, if I, if I really have a goal like that and a time frame, I want to make the most moves in that, in the shortest period of time. Now, if I just want to live like I am right now, I'm not tracking anything. I'm not, well, not paying attention to any of that stuff. Everybody has intuition, but you have to train it to be correct. First, yeah, right. right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you gotta have correct intuition to, to be able to trust it, and so the only way to do that is to to do the work leading into that, which is the tracking part of it. So, um, that's, I mean, that's really the the ultimate, the the peak of where you want to get to uh, within your nutrition plan for yourself. But uh, definitely have to put the work in. Think about think about this for example uh, for for a second. When you're at a point where you are eating intuitively. Um, that is a place of balance. Okay, so what does balance look like? Um, healthy. You're going to be relatively lean. You're going to have good muscle and good strength. Um, you're going to be able to enjoy food sometimes uh, just for the taste of it, but most of the time you're eating it because it's healthy. But it's not a place of extremes. So if I want to get shredded, then I need to track. Right, that's a place of extreme. Because it's not balance. I don't walk around at 6% body fat all the time because that's not my balance. My balance is around 10 to 12% body fat. When I eat intuitively, I'm always about, I'd say 9 to 12% body fat is where I can fall when I'm eating intuitively. If I want to get down to 6% body fat, I'm going to have to track. It's just there's nothing intuitive about it. My body doesn't want to be there um, and I have to kind of push myself. If I want to get my body weight up really high and I want to get really, really strong and push, let's say I want to get my deadlift above 600 pounds, can I do that while eating intuitively? No. Intuitively, my body, that's not a place of balance for my body. So that's the thing you need to understand. And so that's why I think intuitive eating is real important for people like competitors because when you're pre-contest, yes, you're on a diet. But in between that, when you're if you're if you want to just maintain your health, look here's the deal: if you want longevity, if you want to be fit and healthy forever, the most of your time should be spent should be spent eating intuitively. You need to earn it first. Number one, you need to get to the point where you can do that, and that's where you're going to spend most of your time. But if you're trying to get down and get lean and do a bunch of different things with your body. Uh, you're gonna have to track. You're well, gonna have to know what to put, when to push, and when to pull back. That's like shooting a target 100 yards away, and you have the option to use a scope or not use a scope. It's like you better have shot that gun a lot for a very long time if you're gonna try and shoot something that far away without your fucking scope. Right, and somebody who hasn't done the work, because um, here's the thing. First of all, most of us don't know what real hunger feels like. We have cravings. We don't have real hunger because we've never gone without food for longer than. Six or eight hours, you know. When we sleep, we don't have food. Other than that, we have food every four hours. So we don't know what real hunger is. So most of our associations with food revolve around, uh, you know, context. It's breakfast time. It's lunchtime. It's dinner time. Or stress. Or anxiety. Or celebration. So our our relationship to food is not something you want to. You, you. It's not something you can rely on being intuitive about. If I relied on my intuitive abilities when I've never really worked on those abilities. My intuition is going to tell me to eat fucking five burritos for lunch and have pizza for dinner and then have another and have some cake afterwards. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it takes time to get there. And the way you get there is tracking, pay attention to how your body responds to certain foods, maybe the occasional use of fasting, depending on the individual, learning how to disconnect your, you know, your emotions from food at times when like you're stressed out. Okay, I don't reach for food when I'm always stressed out. Let me figure out what's going on. It takes some time. But once you get there, the cool thing is now it's a very comfortable 
relaxing place to be and you're always and you're going to be healthy because what ends up happening with a lot of people is they stress about their food so much that it's 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 a it's a stress. It's not something that's relaxed. You talk to some of these people who track all the time or who are constantly counting every calorie and they've done it for years, their nutrition is a source of stress in their lives mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be or at least that's not a way you can live forever. That's impossible. Or, or maybe if it is, uh, I feel sorry for you because it's a terrible way to live. That's where intuitive eating comes into play. But if you're trying to push your body, um, remember you're moving out of balance. That's going to require some careful calculation and tracking as part of that. By the way, you can get our intuitive guide at mindpumpmedia.com. Next question is from CDT T. Young. What are your thoughts on protective gear such as elbow or knee wraps or sleeves? For me specifically, I've had an ACL and meniscus tear and feel the compression really helps when I get to my working sets for squatting. Okay. Lo- love it. You look you look serious as fuck when you wear all this stuff. <laughs> no. So here's here's a good rule of thumb. Um, unless you're a competitor and you're going to be competing with these uh, aids, which in which case you need to practice training in them. If you're just trying to be fit and healthy, let your natural weakest link be the limiting factor for how much weight you use, mm-hmm. okay? So if my low back can only handle me safely with good control, good stability, deadlift, 400 pounds, then adding an aid like a weight belt to get me up to 450 pounds, it's probably not the greatest idea of, of constantly working out well, that you, way. You, you, you greatly increase your risk by doing that. You do because I, I'm now trying to, to, to get to... Um, modify my weakest link so that I can push my body even harder. And you're right, it increases your risk of injury. So if you feel like your knee is not stable and wearing knee wraps has you squat more, my recommendation is let your knee be the limiting factor. That's what's going to tell you how much weight you can use. And slowly allow that to get stronger so that you can use more weight. Now, here's the thing with knee wraps, okay? I've used them before. I went through a stint of using knee wraps uh, because why they make you strong. They do. You lift more weight when you use knee wraps. If you've ever used legit knee wraps, you're going to add 30 pounds well, to your squat. It's, it's the uh, the version of the slingshot for your your squat. Yes. The same. Yeah. The same. That spring and it yeah, keeps the same concept. Elastic energy. Yeah. Of our boys slingshot uh, with Mark Mark Bell slingshot for your bench press. It's a similar concept when you wrap knee wrap like that. That's what you're getting. Right. And now here's what I felt. So I did it for about a year. Um, and I think I got my squat over just over 400 pounds and I was so proud of my whatever, but I noticed that my kneecaps started getting sore. And, uh, here's the thing with joints. They're not all the same. So if you look at the knee joint, for example, and this really blew me away. When you look at the knee joint, the patella kind of floats, uh, over the, the femur and it runs, it kind of slides uh, on a groove every time you flex and extend your knee. Well, if I'm adding a knee wrap and pushing my kneecap super hard onto that groove with weight, that doesn't sound like a good idea, does it, over time? Like, I'm going to wear the bottom of that kneecap uh, out and potentially cause a problem like, uh, you know, chondromalacia underneath my my patella. Um, And I noticed that. I noticed my knees actually started feeling worse. So I don't think these things protect uh, like people think they do. They help. Yes, they, they let you lift more weight. But I don't think they're protective. In some cases, they may actually be uh, bad for your joints. And unless you have, well, not unless, but I mean, this it's 
you could be diagnosing yourself wrong too because there's a what's that called um and what's the, I don't know the actual name for it, but we call it, we used to call it jumper's knee oh uh, and, it's a weird name Oshlog yeah or, right we used to call it jumper's knee what is it Justin yeah I think you're right Osh uh, yeah, I can't yeah, pronounce don't even, it. Don't I can't pronounce it. it. Damn it. Yeah, don't even try yeah. it. Call it jumper knee. Raise tendon yeah. or whatever. We can, yeah, yeah, something like that. And I do know that and we Oshlotters or Oshlog Goders. When you when you when you wear you you wear like one of those progress uh, uh um wraps uh, around the, the knee and it pushes down on it, it does relieve a lot of the pain while you squat or jump or do mm -hmm. movements like that. So if, if you're getting relief from that, you may be self-diagnosing incorrectly and it could be something along those lines and so where i would always uh, refer you to a doctor and have that looked at and find out exactly uh what's going on yeah with you. you're talking about patellar tendonitis there, there's another term and i can't ashla got i can't did you look up jumper's damn. knee because i know that's i did but it's not the same uh it's not the same thing and I, it's gonna kill me now no i know you got that I, in my head too because i i've tra I trained lots of clients yeah with these types I've of had, issues. Yeah, I've had a few. And um, you can really help them a lot by working on hip mobility, ankle mobility, uh, uh, quadricep uh, flexibility makes a big difference. Well, yeah, and I just have to echo because it is it is like when you start using these wraps and these things to, to try and maintain like a level of fitness that you've been uh, like identifying with. So this is all goes back to like identifying with like my strength has always been th these numbers, this weight, this – like when you have like an injury, a lot of times it's tough because it's going to take work for you to, you know, build yourself back up to that where everything's stabilized and can support you properly in the kinetic chain like it used to. So uh, you just, I mean, do the work. It's going to pay off dividends down the road. I know it sucks to, uh, you know, downgrade a bit, you know, in terms of like the weight that you're using, but it's going to be the best for your body yeah. at the end of the day. I don't think a lot, a lot of people don't realize that some of these aids, because it's allowing them to, oh, there you go. Oscar Schlatter. Oscar Schlatter. Oscar Schlatter. It is Chopper's knee. See? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. We're, we're, yeah, we're, Excellent. We're right. <laughs> Excellent. What I was going to say is a lot of people don't realize that using these tools that allow them to lift more weight oftentimes uh, can actually set you up for more problems and worse problems in the future. So keep that in mind. And I know, look, I'm, I'm the same way. We get caught up in the, damn, if I wear the knee wraps, I can lift. Yeah. 30 more pounds. It's, a, it's and, ego talking to Yeah, you. you know, and that's what I want to do. And it's like, oftentimes it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Next question is from Erica in Texas. What advice do you have for mental blocks during a lift? I get in my own head on heavy squats and tend to psych myself out of the lift. Uh, this I used to I used to run to with sometimes with female clients where they were afraid to mm. lift a heavy weight, especially overhead uh, or with a squat, and they'd be scared of hurting themselves or the weight crushing them, um, not able to support it. Here's what I would recommend. First off, learn how to use the safeties on your squat rack. So set the safeties so that if you go to the bottom of your squat and you can't make it back up, mm. you just set the weight down on the safeties. That's it. That alone would give people confidence because I used to show people. I go, pretend like well, you can't lift the weight and you're safe. I love just, just adding weight and like, uh, to the rack and then and then standing in it and, and like getting comfortable and acclimating to heavier weight and then racking it back again. That's an old school technique yeah. right there. That's the first time I ever started squatting heavier weight. I was lifting and this was like early 20s and I was with a bunch of, you know, old school bodybuilder guys and I was weak as fuck. I think back then I could never squat more than 185. And I remember he's like, let's put three plates on. I'm like, I can't even you're do like, two plates. You're going to kill me. Yeah, I'm like, I can't even do two plates. Yeah. He's like, no, I just want your body to feel mm -hmm. that type of weight. And 
I was scared to death. I remember just unracking it, racking it, and my legs shaking and feeling. And he was there to spot me, make sure I was there. I didn't squat into anything, just unracked it, stepped back into the position to do it, re racked it, yeah. did that enough times. And then before you knew it, when I put on two plates, I felt way more comfortable. So that's a really good strategy. It is. Another thing, too, is to to help you kind of get out of your own head. First off, set the safeties, like I said, so you know that you're safe. Get in there, get tight, and get angry. Sometimes getting angry makes a big damn difference. I still get intimidated uh, sometimes by really, really heavy lifts. It's not so much that I think I'm going to get buried by the weight, but I'll, I think like, oh, I don't want to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, I get tight and I get real mad. Now, is that a good? <laughs> is that a, always a good thing? Maybe not. Um, but I've noticed that, especially for female clients, and I don't know if it's because of the the you know the, they've never they weren't told to lift heavy or they were afraid of lifting heavy, but just giving like I would have female clients who could dumbbell press the twenties, and I'd give them fifteens and they'd freak out. Oh, 15 yeah. pounds! I can't. I don't want to do fifteen pounds. That's never done so no more than funny 10. you say that. Like I was so the guy that like every workout I had to hype myself up and get like in that angry state <laughs> because I was always trying to crush it. You know, yeah. like like every workout, like I had to like put max effort out there yeah. and like so. Yeah, I mean it's it does. I mean it, it 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 pays off. Like if you can get into a certain you know mental state of mind or frame, and you can replicate that and like have like a ritual going into like the heavier lifts, uh, that is going to help and get your CNS sort of prepped that and, way. And and here's the other thing. This is one thing that I found a lot with people who are afraid to lift heavy. And again, it, it was usually women that were in this category. The uh, the, the the growth that they would experience through the weights, not physical growth, uh, but the emotional growth, the confidence that they would get. Because if I got a female client who's afraid to lift what looked like a big and heavy weight to her, and I got her to lift it, and then she got confident enough to challenge herself oh, yeah. with weight, that feeling just emanated, and you could see it in the rest of their life. They would walk around more confident, yeah. taller. I had a woman tell me that the most empowering thing she ever did was get stronger with weights. She's mm-hmm. like, when I got strong, she's like, it made me feel just more capable, more capable of putting my suitcase in the overhead compartment, yeah. more capable of you know carrying more groceries, and I just felt more confident in my body. There's also something to be said about uh, inching up really slow. Like, I know I remember like a bunch of idiot boys we were when we used to lift. It, we used to, you can't use fives and tens. You know, it was you go up quarter, 20, quarters yeah. and quarters and plates. You weren't allowed to use five and tens. If you were squatting, benching, deadlifting, anything like that, it's like quarters and plates are the only thing that yeah. you can add. And that's just a stupid mentality. And I think that, you know, whatever. The two and a half are wonderful for Right. This. You obviously, there's obviously a weight you feel comfortable with and there's a weight you don't. So adding, adding two and a half pounds on each side to the weight you're comfortable with and getting comfortable with that and then adding two and a half every week like that until also before you know it, you've added 20 to 25 pounds on each side and you're like, oh, holy shit. So there's something to be said about that also. And there's something to be said about dropping the reps. You know, even our programs, like I think the lowest rep range in any of them is five, right? Do we have anything lower than five? I don't think we call for maybe, a, do we have a three set or a five on one? Yeah. One so, one to five sometimes. Yeah, one to five, you'll sometimes see where you could do like singles, doubles. Right, so I would t- I would have somebody drop down in, in reps. There's nothing wrong with, I planned to do five and that was what I went under, but then when I felt it, I'm moving it, I might only do three and get used to it with only, and that's, something I didn't do either. I didn't do a lot of singles, doubles, and triples. And part of what helped me inch my weight up was I used to only grab weight that I could get about five times. And then that was it. And maybe I fell short one where uh, now I would start to push myself and be like, oh, maybe I'll only do two of these reps mm-hmm, or three mm-hmm. of these reps. Next question from Farmer Pear. Have you ever thought 
you may have dealt with depression, but was never really sure. If so, what was it like for you? How is it to work with and train with people who are suffering from depression? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, now, I do want to first off say that none of us are, are doctors or experts uh, in, in depression. Um, but I can, I can safely say that I think we've all dealt with it in one way or another because we're humans, right? Um, and I've definitely trained people who have dealt with depression. Now, personally, for me, I have felt uh, true dep- depression uh, a couple of times. Um, once was when I had a family member who uh, was fighting cancer, and it was a long battle, and she eventually lost. That was a very difficult time. The other one was when I got divorced. Um, that one w- was a bit difficult as well. It, the thing about depression that I found, for me at least, is it's hard to realize just how bad it is when you're in it. Mm. I feel bad, um, but I- I'm pretty good at you know, distracting myself or doing things that can make me feel better, like exercise or being with loved ones. It's hard for me to really f- realize it until I'm out of it. Once I come out of it, I look back and go, wow, I was really, I was really not feeling good. Um, and for me, it feels like just a, a lack of, uh, of zest. You know, I just didn't feel like anything really uh, could, you know, make me feel super, super good. Exercise, though, has always been, during those two periods of my life, my workouts saved my life always. I never stopped. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm probably more consistent when I'm feeling terrible because I know how, what a positive effect it has on me. As far as clients are concerned, um, I, I have, I've had many clients whose emotional state changed uh, dramatically over the course of the years of training them. Um, from I mean, I, I can think of several right now off the top of my head. I had one lady who came in who was just she had some really bad chronic illnesses, um, finally, you know, had kind of fought them and beat them, um, got divorced afterwards, uh, just had a whole string of terrible events. Then she came to hire me and was just mean. She was just a mean person. She would just talk at me mean. She could tell she was very short, but I could tell that she was just hurting. And so I started training her and it was amazing, the transformation. It took a while, but after, you know, over the course of the years of training, her, I think I trained her for about three years. She became this uh, just pleasant person. And she would tell me, she used to say, Sal, when I first came to see you, I was very dark and very depressed. And she goes, an exercise lifted me out of it enough for me to be able to work on myself and, and, and you know improve my health in, in all uh, aspects. Um, and I've seen that time and time again. Um, I'm not an expert on medication for de- depression or therapy, but the studies show that exercise and fitness. In fact, some professionals are trying to say that they want uh, exercise to mm. be frontline defense. Which is exciting. Yeah. So like someone comes with, with mild to moderate forms of depression, right before giving the medication, they'll say, okay, I want you to start exercising first and let's see how that improves. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with my brother's wife's a therapist. And uh, I remember because one of my clients was suffering from severe depression and um, I, I'm pretty sure was on medication, but when she started working out with me, this is back when I was trying to structure um, like like the full experience for clients to where we would go even like five day a week type of schedules. And so what we do in between uh, our actual resistance training days is I would go with her um, uh, like on these hikes in Los Gatos and we'd go out there in the sun and we'd go on these like slow hikes and we'd just get in, you know, excess amount of activity that was like more recuperative uh, for that day and do some mobility uh, in between and just like that alone. And then also 
you know, just talking and conversing and having somebody listen, uh, like between the combo of all those things, I was like, wow, it was amazing to see like, just like traces of, of mood change. And, mm. uh, I was talking to, cause I was talking to my brother's wife about it. And she was like, that's really interesting because, um, she had similar, similar anecdotes from some of her patients that, uh, you know, we're applying like more cardiovascular work and then we're getting into weight training as well. Yeah. From, from what I'm familiar with, the two natural things that positively affect depression the most that are natural that you can do are exercise properly. Excuse me, three things. Exercise properly, get good sleep, but sometimes that's not an issue. Some, oftentimes people with depression sleep too much. Right. Um, and the third thing is sunshine. Uh, those three things that I've 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 read studies on uh, seem to have the best positive effects. I would say strength train and sun. Mm. So because one of the things about you got to be careful with somebody with depression and that's uh, down like that, and then hammering them in like a circuit based type of training yeah. or like punishment. Yeah. So uh, and th- this is also speaking from experience, right? So I've personally I've dealt with depression twice in my life. One time I didn't know I was. The second time I was ready for it. Uh, the first time happened uh, when I short sold my house. I bought my house early uh, when I was 22, and it was a very big deal for me. Uh, coming from not having much growing up, or most people listening to the show know my my story. Uh, it was a big deal for me to have a perfect credit score, to be able to afford a house. To that was a major, major accomplish accomplishment for me. And I had the house for uh, over eight years when. Uh, we went through the whole uh, dip with the economy, and my house at one point was basically upside down, a hundred thousand dollars. And I was still okay financially, but my buddy at that time, who was into real estate, told me, "He goes, you know, it would be smart for you right now, why everybody is getting homes foreclosed on, to short sell this, walk away from it, get out of this loan, uh, you know, save your cash, and then you know, let then let, take the ding on your credit, then let it rebound, and then and then be in a different position three to five years later. And I I struggled with that for a really long time, and I finally let him like get convince me that it was the smart strategy to do, and it was, it really was, it was the the smart move uh, for sure. Um, I, I ended up saving a bunch of money, and it was the right thing to do. But um, I went through this bout of depression for probably somewhere between six months and maybe even a year uh, that I just was not myself. And I didn't, like you, to your point, Sal, I didn't know that I was in it while I was in it. I just, looking back and thinking about how dark that time was for me, just how much I wasn't taking care of myself physically, where my relationships were, my attitude, the type of negative shit that was happening in my life. Like, it was just a really kind of bad time. And after the fact, I realized what it really came from. And it was because I really identified with that person. I really identified with my credit score. You know, I really identified with being this person who made it and was successful. And that really fucked with me when, when that went away and that got stripped from me. And so that was my first uh, experience with that. And I had fallen off of exercise. I'd fallen off a lot of things. And the second time, uh, which was even a harder bout of depression to battle, but at least this time I went in kind of knowing or recognizing it before it hit all the way, was just recently. It wasn't that long ago on the podcast when I've shared some of this journey was uh, when I came off of testosterone. You know, for four years consistently, I was taking, you know, high doses of testosterone. I was on uh, you know, a therapeutic dose before that, which was very mild. And that really did, wasn't a big deal to me. But when I started competing 
and I started ramping the doses up and got to a point at the professional level where I was taking, you know, 500 milligrams of testosterone a week uh, and doing that consistently month in, month out for years, for four years. And then coming off of that, man, that just that I, I had never felt like that before where I just didn't want to work out. I didn't want to do anything. And then on top of that, I was like, I knew I was, I was feeling that way. And I thought, okay, I need to find things that I love and that I'm passionate about. And one of those things uh, is basketball. And so I decided to go down. I was like, I couldn't get the motivation to even work out. So I was like, okay, I know exercise is important uh, while I'm going through this. Uh, I, I can't seem to muster up the energy to go lift weights. So let me go, you know, exercise through playing ball. I love playing ball. And it was the second time that I was at the gym playing ball and having an incredible game, feeling great. And I tore my Achilles. And that was just like the fucking straw that broke the camel's back for me. It was, I could not uh, believe that happened to me. And I remember like looking up into the sky, you know, those moments in your life where you're just like, what are you trying to tell me, God? What is this? And, you know, at that point, uh, this is when I started to, really dive back into listening to music and I started to read more again and that really kind of helped uh, pull me out. And so the advice that I give to people that are in moments like this or have felt this is to latch on to the things that make you really happy. And that could be family for you. It could be music like me. It could be snowboarding. It could be basketball. It could be some forms of entertainment, but things that you can control. Like I couldn't control my, I mean, not like instantly my hormone levels. I was going to have to go through this rough patch. It was inevitable what I had done to myself hormonally. Um, I could get all the sunlight in the world, exercise, and I wasn't going to all of a sudden just rebound and be back to high testosterone levels. It was, I was going to have to go through this thing or I was going to have to give back in and say, fuck it, I'm going to get back on testosterone so I don't feel this way. And that was really, really hard for me to do that. I mean, every, I had the stack ready to go always like, and, and I was always thinking like, fuck this, like this is getting so hard. I just want to take a shot of testosterone and feel back to normal again. And I didn't, and it, uh, this lasted for almost a year working through the uh, on the podcast. And the things that got me out of that was was reading and music for me because I could no longer play sports. Uh, so when you, if you're somebody that's listening and that's potentially you, the advice aside from what the boys are saying right now, with I think is true, sun, exercise, those things are extremely important. But latch onto the things that make you happy. You know, latch onto the things that you find joy in that you can control. And, and, and bury yourself into those things, whether that be reading and music or sports or whatever it may be. But fine. And I had to dig deep back into like kind of childhood stuff. Like I, when I was in high school, I was heavy into music. And as I got older, I kind of like whatever about it. I didn't care. And I got busy and cared more about money and work and shit like that. And so I started revisiting things like that, that, that gave me joy and filled my cup. So look for those things that, in, in, and they may be deep and a long time ago that fill your cup. And, and focus on that. That helped a lot. Excellent. Go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all absolutely free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam, Justin at Mind Pump Justin, and me at Mind Pump South. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. 
Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>